Man, this is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already should know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast. We are officially into Season 9 of The Scoop, Episode 1. I'm John DiCarlo, Declan Landis, and Rymir Vaughn are with me today for this podcast to kick off our ninth season. Coming up, we're 22 days, a little more than three weeks away from Temple's September 2nd season opener against Akron. We talked to Stan Drayton, Jordan McGee, Jalen McMurray, and Edward Sadie after today's practice. Earlier this week on Tuesday night, Temple's Alumni Association and the OWL Club hosted an NIL information session on Zoom And we'll have details on that. I know a lot of you who are hardcore Temple fans who are listening to this podcast might have uh, tuned in for that session. You might know something about it. We'll have some audio from that session uh, from the Tough Funds Executive Director, Andy Carl, who was pretty straightforward about where they stand with their fundraising efforts. Uh, So we'll have something on that a little bit later in the podcast. We'll have a recruiting update as well. Temple's football program landed its seventh verbal commitment from the 2024 class. And uh, we've got some mailbag questions for you as well to get to that we got from Twitter that we'll enjoy answering. Uh, Again, as we enter the ninth season of The Scoop, it's brought to you once again by Greenspan and Greenspan Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured while you're on the road or the highway and the crash was someone else's fault, the insurance company is not going to be on your side. You need us, Temple Law grads, who will fight hard to get the compensation that you deserve. We only get paid if we win. So in Pennsylvania or New York, call us today at 215 261 7359. That's 215-261-7359. And you can find them on the web at greenspans-law.com. That's greenspans-law.com. Should also add that we're going to have some audio for you guys as well. Uh, a few clips from today's media session Friday down at uh, Edward Olson Hall. You'll be hearing a little bit from Stan Drayton on the running backs, Jalen McMurray talking about the just the contributions and the impact that his position coach Dominique Bowman has made and EJ Warner talking about the offensive line. So a lot of good stuff ahead for you guys. Declan, Ramir, what's going on, guys? How are you? Uh, you know, hanging in, John. How are you? That's not the juice I was looking for. Oh, sorry. You've been. Hey, John, how you doing? <laughs> oh, that's too much. <laughs> that's going to sound great to you when you. That's uh, all right. I'll edit. Go that back out. and edit the. No, please keep it in there. No, I'll keep it in. But I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll edit it down is what I meant to say. That's my fault. Ramir, that was too much, right? Too much a juice. A little bit. A little bit. Maybe I didn't yeah. need that energy drink. <laughs> what energy drink did you have? I've seen. No, I didn't water. have one. I was saying to Ramir, I should ask him for one when I was feeling a little lethargic. But, mm-hmm. you know, as soon as I got on the mic, you know, I got to flip the switch. You know, that's my fault. Do you you guys are too young to remember when Al Golden was here and he had his motto flip the switch and they actually had a, a a like a constructed light switch on the side and the players would flip it Stop to say it. flip the switch and then they would do this constantly seeing flip the switch and you know our older listeners will know what i'm talking about. wait so like when they would come out of the tunnel they would do that or when would they do that so much it was on the sideline and if they made a big play and they would get like a third down stop they'd go like this that's they flip the switch yeah that's awesome we should bring that back stan if you're listening (laughs) bring back the switch that would be really cool i mean they have the bell now which is cool yeah but the switch i feel like you know you can't really ring the bell on the field as our alscoop.com nutritionist Nutrition, uh, nutritionist, <laughs> dietitian. Our, our, our health czar, energy drinks bad, right? No. What? I was going to say, I was like. I drink a lot of them. So. Yep. <laughs> so I can't, I can't even say they're bad. In moderation, you shouldn't have more than 400 milligrams, I believe. And usually the ones that you see on a day-to-day basis, they're usually like 150 to 200. Mm-hmm. So one or two of those a day. You should be fine. You shouldn't be over abusing it. Like, don't get coffee in the morning and then get an energy drink later on in the day. Because the coffee, the coffee will tear you up more than the <laughs> the energy drink will. So, 
I like it. Don't you feel comforted after you talk to him about this stuff? He's very well read, very oh, yeah. very knowledgeable. I mean, you know, he's I would like to say that Ramirez is one of my best friends. I don't know if that's, you know, reciprocated, but it, Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to speak for you. What well, if he that's just a, that's the truth. What okay, if he just what if he just let out a deep sigh and he was like, Can we just talk about this after? Well, that's why I didn't want to assume, you know, because you know what they say about assuming. How about when you were texting with me about something WHIP related while I was on vacation last week. <laughs> and we, we thank you all, by the way. We took a one-week hiatus from the scoop because I was on vacation last week. And Declan was was texting me about something related to Temple Student Run Radio Station, of which he is the general manager. Ramirez is our program director. Check us out, iHeartRadio and Radio FX. There we go. And you said something, well, like, as our advisor and as my friend, I wanted to get your opinion. Mm-hmm. And I was just on the beach, and I wasn't getting good reception. And you were like, wait, are, wait are, we, are we not friends? Well, and, then, and then I got back to the house we were staying at. I was like, oh, I got to get back to him. This is, <laughs> this is, well, you got back to me. First of all, you got back to me two days later. So in that time span... It was eleven minutes between the you know the friend text, and then I was I was with Ramir because we were up here, and I was like, you know, it'd be really funny. What if I said like, wait, are we not friends? So I sent that because he was like, that's really funny. And then it was Thursday. It was Thursday, and you responded. So in between, I was like, oh my god, what if I actually like offended him? <laughs> Did you honestly think I was like sitting on the beach? Like, is he kidding me? <laughs> well, I didn't know. You know, crossed the line. I didn't want to. Like I said, I don't want to assume. So in my head, I was thinking, oh my god, I just offended John. Like this is not going to be friend, good. Declan. Yes, thank you. And You're I didn't mean to make well. you sweat that out. <laughs> I figured. I was like, you know what? Let's make him earn this one. But, <laughs> Let's you know, make him it's sweat that, for three days. That deep, dark part of me that was like, he's not your friend. You're not, you just offended him. I can't believe you did that on his vacation. He gets one week out of the year and you just did that to him. That's so, your inner voice? That's my inner voice. Hey, your inner voice sounds very aggressive. Yeah. It is. It's like Oscar the Grouch on steroids. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> no. No, that's not. Evil Johnny. It does sound like Evil Johnny's was like no. Johnny. Johnny should hopefully be back with us on the scoop at some point. When he is busy, so he is much. busy again. He's been on a couple of episodes of the scoop. If some of you who are loyal listeners have heard the episodes that he's been on, he is the visiting team's bat boy for the Philadelphia Phillies. So Correct. when the Phillies are home, he's we'll never busy. see him. Yeah. Yes. He slept at the stadium last night. For those of you who don't yes. understand the grind of the bat boy. Yeah, so he the away uh, team, the opposing yeah, the opposing team's bat boy. Yes, yeah, because the home team doesn't do as much as the yeah doesn't do as. So he was unloading Minnesota Twins equipment for this weekend's series, right? Yes, until I think he said three a.m. and he just was it was too late for him to come back, so he ended up just staying down there. That poor kid, man, he works his his tail off. You know what though? He's gonna look back on this experience. He's gonna be like, hey, man, the yeah. You know what? It's a give and take because it's a dream job. It really is. Like, there's no question about it. You know, he's been talked about on TV. Mm -hmm. John Cruck kind of knows who he is, maybe. Yeah. But (laughs) on the flip side of that, you know, he's he's sleeping on massage tables, and so it's a give and take. It really is. There you go. Famous since this is season nine of the scoop and episode one. Give me. One first notable number nine that comes to your mind, a first notable number one that comes to your mind, any sport for you, Declan, same thing for you, Ramir. See, this is great and all, but what happens when we get to episode nine? Well, just we're in the future, (laughs) it's going to be season nine, episode two, just famous number twos. Right. So what if we get to season nine, episode nine? What do we do then? Think of a new nine. <laughs> I mean, how many? Very We're simple. Very simple. Very simple know. solution. Fam- famous ninety nines on episode. Yeah, nine. famous, famous ninety nine. Wayne Gretzky, shut up. Let's move on. Carl Edwards, NASCAR. Yeah, you're welcome. I actually have a Are NASCAR we doing answer for this or? too. No, no, we're just famous, <laughs> a famous nine and a famous one. Oh, so now we blew ninety nines too. For Stop asking nine. questions. You're already making this too difficult. I think it's a valid question. Um, famous number one, or are we doing famous number famous nine? Famous number nine. Okay. If I have to explain the directions to you one more time. <laughs> Wait, I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wait, I was listening, but Ramir wasn't. So if you could just explain Ramir, it one more he's time. Still talking. He's still. He's <laughs> I'm still, stalling because I can't think talking. of a number nine. We'll go to Ramir. Fa- a famous number nine and a famous number one. I hope I didn't take Declan's because he seemed like he had an aha moment. I did. As the Birds fan, I got to say Nick Foles. Okay. Go. I'm yeah. still good. Tony Romo. Ah, uh, as a Giants fan, you should be ashamed of yourself. Why? That man threw so many interceptions to my favorite team. Oh, it's okay. unbelievable. Okay, that's that's. You got a point. <laughs> I've got two. I'm cheating. One's a one's a fictitious number nine. Roy Hobbs from The Natural. 
great my answer. favorite baseball movie. We were talking about that the other day. You were talking about The ago. Natural? No, we were in the group chat. We were talking about oh, The about Natural. Natural, yes. I wouldn't say he's famous, but this is like a random Phillies number nine, Von Hayes from the 80s. Yeah, you're right. No, yeah, Nick Foles is. is an obvious one. How about yes. famous number one? Ton of ton of famous number ones, ton of famous number nines as well. But you ready for this one? Yeah. Khalif Wyatt. Ah, there you go. That's a good one. Yes. That's a good one. <laughs> you make it sound like he was this obscure temple player no, from like wasn't. 1938 that you thought of. It was technically before my time though. So and now he's now he's back. So that's that's called full circle for you folks. There you go. Go ahead, your turn. I mean, do you just want to go all Eagles quarterbacks on this? I wasn't. I was I wasn't gonna say the obvious. I was gonna go, I guess, I guess I'm cheating again too, with a slash. Um, two magic players. Penny Penny, yeah. Penny Hardaway and Tracy McGrady. I have a Tracy oh, McGrady a jersey. You do? Yes. There you go. I've never seen you wear a I've, Tracy McGrady magic jersey. I've worn it like twice. That's probably in your I've life or ever like like both recently? I guess. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> What about? Oh no, you first. Sorry, my fault. Are you done? No, I'm, t- I'm probably. I'm, I'm kidding. I love you. <laughs> We've had um, a long day. <laughs> what were you? What were you going to ask me? Oh uh, no, it's your turn. Is what I was going to say. Famous number ones. Yes. I mean, there are Tom, but Warren Moon stands out. To oh, me. okay. Uh, I was going to say Allen Iverson. Is what, no, he wasn't yeah, number one. He wore number three. Yeah. Unless he wore stupid. number one with the Nuggets, and I'm not aware. No, I think he wore one with the Pistons. Oh, he did. Yeah. Okay. That's a dub. Javon would know that. That's one. a dub. Um, no, Warren Moon was just, I mean, I, I wasn't an Oilers fan, but, I mean, he was just yeah. so much fun. Changed so the game. So much play. Yes, he did. All right. Good stuff, guys. Good segment. Great segment. Great segment. <laughs> One for the ages. <laughs> anyway, uh, Stan Drayton did say today, um, Declan and I were able to um, get to the media availability after today's practice, and we're recording this on Friday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Got to talk to Stan Drayton, Jordan McGee, Jalen McMurray, EJ Warner, and Ed Sadie was a bonus while we were waiting yes, for EJ. Surprise. Rich Berg said, thank you to Rich Berg. Hey, can I get anybody else? Mm-hmm. Talk to Ed Sadie for a little while. You can listen to the audio of all those interviews up on the site now. If you're listening, you want to check out more coverage. So Stan, among other things, said today that there will be a single-digit vote today. Um, I don't know if that's going to be Friday afternoon as we're recording this or Friday night. So, uh, And then I think they're going to announce or unveil the results of it Monday morning. I, he didn't. He wasn't. He specific. didn't say what time Monday. He didn't say what time, and I don't know if it's going to be like a gradual thing. So the players are going right. to have more of a, an input in the process this year, uh, as most of you all know. Jordan McGee and Jalen McMurray, uh, again, two of the players who spoke today are only two single-digit players on the roster right now. So I know we've gotten mailbag questions about this, and uh, this will reveal itself in a couple of days, obviously. But let's go around the horn here. Let's let's assume. And I don't know why we would assume, but again, I don't know if they're going to do a couple of different votes. Mm -hmm. Let's pick two players. Give me your two who you think are, are, you know, if I say to you, Monday morning, we're going to hear about the new single digit players. Give me the two guys that you think are the next single digit players. Declan, I'll start with you. I mean, we can hold your attention span. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I mean, it's low hanging fruit because all we've heard out of the offseason about this guy is how much he's grown as a leader. You know, it's only his second year in the program. First year as a starter, uh, full year at least as a starter, um, and all anybody's talked about is how much he's grown into a guy that lives in EO, lives in the film room, leads by example, trying to be a little more vocal. Stan Drayton said on media day he's given him the green light to just go out and, and be that true leader, and that's E.J. Warner. Um, I would be shocked if he doesn't get voted. I didn't know who you were going to say after all that build up. Oh, really? <laughs> who were you thinking? No, I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> yes, I thought you were going to say E.J. Warner. I'm um, sorry. No, but I think uh, I think that's an obvious one, so not to take that off the table, but, you know, that's up my alley. Uh, and then, in all honesty, I think an, uh, a, uh, a one that could go under the radar is maybe like a Jordan Smith out of the tight end room. I think he is another guy that probably leads by example. We haven't heard much from him in terms of, I don't think he's talked to us this offseason, has he? Not that I, I don't remember. Think so, um, but he's a he's a very hard worker, from what we've heard. Uh, somebody that guys look up to. I think that could be like a dark horse candidate. Somebody that maybe isn't out in front in the media, at least this off season. But um, I wouldn't be shocked to hear his name called on Monday as well. Mayor, what do you think? Um, Two single digits, and again, you can you can you can mention one of the guys that that Declan mentioned. I think. EJ is the obvious one. EJ mm-hmm. Warner is the obvious one. Kind of weird not seeing him in 13, though. Yeah. 
I know. I believe he did say that he would like change it if he, um, mm-hmm. or he would welcome the change. But it just it just feels weird to not see him at thirteen. Like I feel like that's his number. Mm-hmm. But going to the other side of the ball, to a man who also wears thirteen right now, Leighton Jordan. Mm-hmm. He was their best player on defense last year, and excuse me, I have we haven't got gotten the opportunity to talk to him as much Toledo you mean yeah yeah not yeah I mean a lot last year but yeah not yet this offseason yeah. or preseason so I haven't gotten the opportunity <laughs> to ask him a question about you know how he's taken you know leadership role especially since there's a lot of guys who left like Darian Varner last um he was you know last season they're what second leading sack second sack leader yes and he was a single digit. Mm-hmm. So obviously he had some kind of role in the leadership of that team. So I would expect for him to take that role from Darian mm-hmm. and run with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, again, I'd be, I don't know, I'd be shocked if if we're not talking about EJ Warner on Monday as the next single digit guy. For a, a second one... Uh, there are two guys bouncing around in my head right now. David Martin Robinson at tight end. And if I don't know how much of a dark horse candidate this is, but they really seem very, very high on Ben Oswake at, at corner. And I think, like, you know, Stan's spoken highly of him. Uh, I asked, I, I think I asked Jalen McMurray about him earlier today. And they just really, like, I'm not saying his name comes up constantly, like, every single session with coaches, but... It's just a feeling like I'm not saying he is yet the player that Jalen McMurray is. And that's not to say that Jalen McMurray doesn't have a lot to improve upon. Like he, he got a single digit early on in his career, but I still think Jalen has some some work to do. But Ben Oswake is my sort of like dark horse candidate that the Juco recruit uh, out of Blinn Junior College in Texas. Um, just kind of think he might be in the mix, but we'll see. You know, I think it was was it Jalen or Jordan, one of them. I think it was Jalen McMurray. I said Jaylen. like he was like, Oh, I don't I didn't even know there was gonna be the single digit vote. It wasn't Jordan. <laughs> it was like, is that today? Uh yeah. So um, Well, he so, also mentioned that Ben is somebody that he like measures himself against. Yeah. Like he's such yeah. a competitor for the entire defense and the offense as well. So I think that's a good pull because I mean we talked to him on the show. Like he yeah. Yeah. he is a great football mind. I, mm-hmm. I could totally see that. Yeah, and as a reminder, they have you know, offensive linemen can get it, even though they can't they can't wear that number on the field, but offensive linemen could get it. Uh like Klein and, and Adam Klein and Isaac Moore were single digits. Yeah. Yes. So I mean Wisdom Quarsh, she jumps out to me too. Maybe um I don't know, maybe a guy like um We said Victor Stoffel earlier. Victor Stoffel. The two that jump out to me again, EJ, maybe Ben or DMR. So we shall see. But there'll probably be some news on that on Monday, according to what Stan Drayton said today uh just a couple other takeaways from today uh again we got a couple stories up on the site right now if you're an al scoop subscriber we did get some news and notes up there we don't always get to see much of practice as we've explained to all of you most of the time it's either the first 15 or last 15 minutes of practice today happened to be the last 15 to 20 minutes of practice and sometimes that's just like Stretching. I think even when when Eli Vopin said like, "Hey, we can head outside now," I think I said to you, "Now we'll watch some stretching." Yes. And sure enough, we actually got to see some football mm-hmm. again. I know I sound like I'm being overly cautious here, but again, it's the last 15, 20 minutes of practice. Like even if you hear the coaches say like twos or threes, it's not anything that is set in stone or permanent. So uh, we didn't see EJ Warner throwing the ball around today, but I do have some notes about what we saw in there. You know, some names of guys that aren't going to start, but a couple of guys that flash. So if you're an Scoop subscriber, you can check out the football board, some notes from what we saw in those last 15 or 20 minutes or so when we got into the building afterward to talk to Stan. A few takeaways from that. Again, he said it's the, the quarterback job is EJ Warner's to lose. He mentioned that Quincy Patterson would be the number two quarterback right now, something he said earlier yes. in the week as well. Again, drop some notes about today's practice on the message board. A few other names that Stan got into today. You know, we've talked about, the arrival of players like Kyle Williams, especially from Declan, who was starting the and Kyle Ramir. Williams fan club. Yeah, and Ramir. I'm, I'm right now. Yeah. He, if he's the president, I'm the vice president. I was going to say co-president. But. Does Kyle Williams know how much you guys love Definitely Kyle not. Williams? We've never actually spoken to Kyle Williams. Maybe we can change that. Do you ever watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? No, I got 
like halfway through the first episode, and I was like, so you don't know do about it. the episode where they write, uh, oh god, this is terrible. Why am I forgetting the name of the character who writes the fan letter to Chase Otley? Oh, is it um, Rob? Uh, Matt Rob. Money. It says like, "I love you. You run fast. You have great hair," or something like that. I mean, it's true. You All guys true should things. write a letter to Kyle Williams, like an old school snail mail letter. You know, I just feel like that probably goes against. You know, we've got a lot of irons in the fire this year. You know, journalistic integrity and whatnot. So exactly, yeah, yeah probably test, not a great testing idea. you. So see, there we go. There we go. Up top. I don't know how much Darvon Hubbard's still going to be in the mix. The mm-hmm. Texas A&M transfer it wasn't a significant contributor last year, but his name came up today. But I, obviously there are a number of different reasons why the running game was not as consistent as it could have been last year. Injuries on the offensive line, inconsistency on the offensive line. I'm sure the backs themselves, they do really seem to be very pleased with the return of Tyree Foreman as their running backs coach who was here when, when Matt Rule was here, Al Golden was here. But with the backs, again, we've talked a lot about Kyle Williams, the newcomers like Kyle, like Jaquez Smith, EJ Wilson, another transfer. Uh, it does sound like Ed Sadie has sort of, for now, separated himself as number one back in that room, which could mean, again, that the line has improved and that those three guys, along with, with Hubbard, have competed with him to get better. Here's a clip of Stan talking about the running backs and how he's been more pleased with you know, what he's seen there, again, as a former longtime running backs coach, as a college running back himself, again, this is a guy who recruited Bijan Robinson to Texas. So for all of you fantasy football enthusiasts and maybe any that's you our, our yes. Atlanta-based <laughs> listeners who are excited about Bijan Robinson, you know, Stan recruited him to Texas. But, you know, Stan doesn't go more than a couple of weeks where somebody says, hey, you're a former running back, former running backs coach yourself. What have you seen from the backs? But he did. his voice did pick up a little bit today where he yeah. said, yeah, like they've – They've been better at the point of contact, taking on contact. You know, they've had a couple of padded practices now. So here's Stan talking a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, you know, uh, to, the, to the credit of the running backs and, and, and Coach Foreman, um, that's the one thing that I think has improved tremendously is our contact balance as a, at the running back position. You know, those guys are starting to deliver the blow. They're running through tacklers. Um, is it 100%? No, but uh, we've definitely made improvement in that area. And, uh when you put full pads on, that's the one position that I'm looking to see. Um, what can they get on their own on contact? And I'm starting to see that improve. What have you seen specifically from the three newer guys, from Kyle, from Jaquez, and, and uh, EJ? Yes, EJ, yes, sorry. All, sorry, all sorry. those guys are uh, competing their butts off, and they've got some natural running instincts to them. I mean, Kyle and Joe bring a lot of versatility. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you can throw the ball to those guys out of the backfield. You know, uh, just just the competition level with lead, led by Sadie. To be quite honest, Richard, just a guy who's stepped his level of play up um, during this fall camp. He's he's uh, in great shape and he's uh, pretty consistent with uh, you know the way he's running the football in the run game, the way he's protecting the quarterback in the pass game. And I think that's setting the standard for the rest of those guys in that room. They all have their strengths and weaknesses. The thing I love about them that they all bring something different to the table. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, I, I think that they all should be in their mindset getting ready to play some ball for us this year. So we also mentioned that we talked to Jalen McMurray as well. So in talking about Tyree Foreman as a coach who seems to have made a difference, Tyree knows the school, coached some good backs. I just It just seems like they were looking for a different level of coaching at that position. And so far, again, Temple is 0-0 zero and zero right now. They're coming off a 3-9 and nine season, so I'm not trying to hype them up before they've done anything. But it, it, it has come up more than a few times. And they seem to be happy with what they're getting out of that room. Another room they seem to be happy with, when Jalen McMurray was talking today, I think I asked him, like, where technically do you feel you've gotten better? And right away he said, you know, that's all Dominique Bowman. Coach Bowman seems to have made a a real impact in that room. Stan mentioned Dominique Hill today, a guy that, that very much had his ups and downs last year the South Carolina transfer, but they seem to be pleased with what they've seen from him in the offseason. Again, we'll see if it translates to the regular season. But here's Jalen McMurray talking about the difference that Dominique Bowman, his position coach, has made for him. Yeah, so I would say um, Coach Bowman, he, him coming in has made tremendous leaps for my game, like technique-wise. Like, he's a crazy technician. Like, every little detail you have to get right with him. So I feel like him being my DB coach right now, my cornerback coach right now is – my game has gone definitely upwards when, when it comes to uh, technique. And then uh, here's a clip from EJ Warner. He was asked about the offensive line. EJ gets asked a lot. At me, everybody says, what do they say during the offseason when people talk about EJ Warner? What's the one topic that always comes up? Uh, his dad? Yes, but not. 
<laughs> People love to ask him about his dad. Well, nobody's really asked him about his dad recently. No, that's what I'm that's talking not about. not true. When people talk about his work ethic, what do they say? Oh, that he's always in the film always room. Always in the film room, always in the building. So then EJ was talking about that and happened to mention, like, hey, the offensive linemen are always in the building too. But EJ talked today about, you know, again, we'll see what happens during the season. But there seems to be a little bit more optimism about the offensive line. Not to sound harsh, but they have nowhere to go but up again through, you know, just I think we knew it was going to take Chris Wiesahan some time to get things to where he wanted them to be. I'm not saying that there's a Deion Dawkins on this line. I'm not saying that there's a like a Matt Hennessy on this line just yet. But last year was a year where he had come in and say, here's what I have. Here's what I don't have. Here's what I need to get in the portal. We talked to him earlier this week. But there generally seems to be more of a level of optimism about the offensive line. We asked DJ Warner about the offensive line and what needs to come together there in terms of the cohesion. Uh, again, they were one of the worst rushing offenses in, in America, but they were also one of the better offensive lines, at least with sack numbers, sacks given up. I think part of that was on them. Part of that was on EJ just knowing wanted to get rid of the ball. But EJ Warner himself seems to be a little bit more optimistic about the offensive line, and here's what he said about them earlier today. Yeah, I think just out of group, you just see the work, and I think people respect that. Every single day, they're in here before everyone else. They stay later. They're watching film and just different things like that where we just have so much more respect for them, just seeing the work that they put in and the time that they're willing to put in to be great. They know that they had, had some mistakes last year, and, and they took that on the chin, and they're ready to come back out here and work and show the world how much better they've gotten. Also promised you guys some recruiting news. Declan Landis, a Silesianum School defensive lineman, is Temple's new newest verbal commitment. I'm pumped. Ahmad Foster announced Friday, this was sort of expected, that um, he verbally committed to Temple. He chose the Owls over Old Dominion. So he's Temple's eighth verbal from the 2024 class. Again, if you are, I mean, most of you know this, but just a reminder, if you're new to college football, new to this podcast, these guys are verbally committed. They have not yet... If you're new, welcome. Welcome. Sorry. Come on. You looked at me as if to say, like, don't be so rude to our guys. Welcome. Good Lord. Um, How about rivals finally slapping an actual valuation on player here? Adrian Lang, three-star defensive back. Mm. Uh, I talked to him. Go read that article. There you go. Uh, we were waiting on uh, we were waiting on we were waiting on an evaluation of Adrian Lang. So Foster's one of eight Temple verbals. So he joins Adrian Lang, Chris Dietrich, Daniel Everett. Denzel Chavis, Evan Daly, Bryson Goodwin, and Tyler Stewart. So he's Temple's eighth verbal. Again, we'll continue to have more recruiting coverage for you guys, as always, in the coming weeks. Declan, you covered the session the Temple's Alumni Association and Out Club hosted. It was an NIL information session on Zoom. You wrote about it for, for Al Scoop, wrote about it for the Temple News as well. Before we play this clip from Andy Carl, the Tough Funds Executive Director, Andy is one of the guys who's really helped get that thing up and running. Again, we'll play this clip in a second, and he did not mince words about where they are and, and you know what needs to be done there. But before we play the clip from Andy, just your general takeaways from, from what that session was like. They took some questions from fans, correct? And when you sat down to write the story, what stood out to you? Yeah, so full disclosure, there were two sessions. I only attended the first one. Mm -hmm. This was hosted by the Alumni Association. It mostly talked about the OWL Club, which is directly associated with athletics, whereas the Top Fund is a third-party collective that donates. Um, It's legally distinct. But I think the the big call to action was, and Andy actually said it toward the end, which was, I think, very poignant and is a testament to college athletics as it is right now. And he talked about Temple donors as selfish. You know, it's often when he talks to people that are considering donating, he talks about, like, they want to know what they get out of it. And he mm-hmm. he kind of was like, you got to put that on the back burner because mm-hmm. we got a lot out of this university. And if you're passionate about this school, like, you've already gotten a lot out of it. So now it's time to give back. And I think that was sort of the message of the the event as a whole. Um, And he also got into, he mentioned the big quote that I put in the article was that the tough fund and the the fundraising efforts around the athletic department were woefully behind. And I think that was just, you know, they were kind of beating around the bush to say that, I think, for most of it. But when Andy got on and and finally said it as part of his presentation, I think that's when my my ears kind of perked up because, Mm -hmm. you know, you hear figures and you maybe kind of understand. Yeah, I think I put it in there. the differences in donations to the Owl Club versus 
uh, Charlotte and UCF were the big schools that they used um, as benchmarks. But, you know, you, you hear these numbers and maybe they go over your head, maybe they don't. But I think he mentioned Wichita State men's basketball, the funding that they have just for their men's basketball team. Temple has 10 to 20 percent of that going into the tough fund every year. So mm-hmm. it's it's there is a big question mark as to what the tough fund can do because they're not getting the support that they initially desired or, uh, you know, that they necessarily think will help. And just one final thing before we play the clip. The other thing I thought was interesting was toward the end of the session, somebody asked Andy, like, how do you measure success? I don't remember exactly who it was. And he mentioned in three years, if the tough fund doesn't take off, maybe you just let it go and maybe it's time to start something new. So maybe there's a running clock on it. I don't know. That's kind of what my takeaway with that was, but you know, there is definitely not a shelf life necessarily, but if things don't start ticking up, it's time to start answering questions. So I think this is a big couple of years for them. Yeah. And it's in, and Andy's one of three people involved with the tough one along with Seth Goldblum and Chris Squeary. And I think that was his way of saying, look, I mean, we need to see some real progress here. And he mentioned that, Memphis has not just one, but but several collectives. The the figure that you were referring to earlier, he he had said that recently the athletic director at Wichita State. So again, you have to remember they're a basketball only program in the right. American. They have a three year goal of one point two million that's just solely focused on their men's basketball program. And yeah, he said the tough one is at maybe ten to twenty percent of that. Yeah, when Temple's recruiting in the twenty twenty four twenty twenty five classes, and again, I mean. I, Temple had did not go to the NCAA tournament under Aaron McKee. So again, I don't want to ignore that, but Temple should be able to win recruiting battles against Wichita State. But if Temple's fan base, if they don't understand that NIL is a priority, they got to get that. And you're yeah. not going to win recruiting battles against Wichita State. And I'm not saying that they were out recruiting Wichita State all the time in the you know, to begin with, but mm-hmm. you know, it was a, a pretty you know, again, I, I wasn't able to cover it, went back and listened to the audio. Again, you'll hear a clip here in a second, but pretty honest session on where Temple is and where Temple is not. Yeah, it was like brutally honest in a way that, you know, I'm naive, maybe, maybe I'm young, like I've only really had one year of covering Temple, but it was a kind of brutal honesty that I've never heard. Mm-hmm. And I think that was what was jarring. Yeah. So here's Andy talking about, and this is from the first session from Tuesday night's event, you know, talking just about where Temple is and where they they need. Nationally, we are in a very disadvantageous spot. As I speak more and more with folks that are running collectives, as I sit on on phone calls, um, we are woefully behind. And and I think we mirror similarly the the numbers that Ed showed us earlier with with regards to to the outcome. We lack participation, we lack understanding, and we lack financially. Nationally, I don't know if our collective is in the top 200 of funds that we have at our disposal to be able to empower our student-athletes to make the impact that they need. All right, so let's close things out here. Uh, We got about four or five mailbag questions from uh, Twitter. First one. Uh, comes from the Twitter handle Storm and Foreman. Kyle's not here to answer this one. This is kind of funny. Uh, how can I get Peloton outputs as high as Kyle Gauss? You so can't. Kyle, sick brag from Kyle a few times. Hey, I was on the Peloton the other day. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. Not to no brag, but I was working out. And it wasn't on just any average exercise bike. It was a Peloton. <laughs> Sorry about it. Moving right along, guys. <laughs> he doesn't talk like that, but yes. Yeah, how can I get Peloton outputs as high as Kyle Gauss? Short answer, you can't. Storm and Foreman, we will have to answer that for you maybe next week from Kyle. Then he says, for a Temple-related question, I haven't been keeping up with the football program much this offseason. What are the big storylines I should know going into the season? Good question. I mean, we've touched on a few of them already. You know, the, the obvious ones are EJ Warner has been as focused and as improved as advertised. Mm-hmm. The The offensive line, again, seems to be improved. We'll see. I mean, some of the storylines are similar, not identical, but, and I know this is high praise. Kyle's kind of made this comparison. Year one, the year one to year two leap in Matt Rule's head coaching tenure. And you could see near the end of Matt Rule's first season, I mean, at the beginning of the season, they had a brutal loss to Fordham. They had a brutal loss at Idaho. And then the staff was basically like, okay, F it, we're going to start playing some younger guys. Now, 
the Temple's lost last season in November to Cincinnati. They couldn't move the ball much at all on like a no. cold, cloudy day uh, against the Bearcats. But you could see, the, and, and one week they're going toe-to-toe with Houston. You could see like, wow, E.J. Warner looks like he belongs. Oh, it looks like Jordan Smith's starting to turn the corner. Some other guys are starting to turn the corner. Leighton Jordan obviously had a big breakout year. So some of the storylines that you want to see developing are kind of developing. Like some other guys are starting to flash. Like we talked about Ben Oswake earlier in the pod. Guys start bringing up some other names, and it's like that next wave of names. Wow, like Jordan McGee stayed and he's as good as advertised. Trey Thomas, another guy who, if he remains healthy, could be a real pass rush presence for them. I mean, what, what sticks out to you guys? I mean, we've been in some of the same media sessions, but if you were answering this question here, what are some of the storylines that, that he should know going into the season that we maybe haven't touched on? I think beyond the team itself, it's the new look American. You know, there are different players in this conference now. Uh, Temple faces three of them. You know, that's opponents that they haven't necessarily either faced in a long time or ever faced. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of competition with that. And then, you know, games circled on the calendar as well. You got Miami in the fourth game. Are they going to be ready to take on, you know, maybe not a powerhouse now, but what has historically been a powerhouse uh, program in college football? Uh, I think in terms of the schedule, those are some storylines to look forward to. And not necessarily just on the team as well, but there are plenty of team storylines. Yeah, like I mean, you what, mentioned. what about you? You 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 study this team a lot. What any other storylines that you're thinking of that you haven't mentioned? Again, we'll we'll have more preseason coverage for you guys. Look ahead to different opponents and stuff. But if you were talking to this guy on Twitter, what are some of the storylines that he should be aware of? Can the offense find their identity? Mm-hmm. I don't think that they they didn't have one last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Like you said, they it was games where they went toe-to-toe with Houston, with ECU, and there were games where they couldn't get past midfield. They have to figure out what they are offensively, mm-hmm. whether that is, you know, taking the gloves off EJ and letting him ball out. And letting Amy, him. is it like throw to get ahead? And I mean, this sounds more like an NFL storyline, but throw to get ahead and then run to stay ahead type yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or are they going to pound the ball with Ed Sadie and hopefully Kyle Williams, he don't red shirt? <laughs> <laughs> or are they going to use the tight ends as well? What are the tight ends going to fit into the mm-hmm. offense? Because that's a really deep room, too. We've talked about it before, that tight end room. They're going to run a lot of 12 personnel this year simply because of the fact that their tight end room is loaded. I wouldn't be surprised if they run a lot of 13 personnel as well. But that and also... Can they win close games? Because last mm-hmm. year they had four one-score games, I mm-hmm. believe. And if they come out and win those games, that's a bowl game. Yep. So, And that's typically where you want to see the growth from year one to year two. Could come out of the gate three and one or four and oh. There, there's no reason to think, and I want to get us too off topic, but like, why can't they go up to Rutgers and win that game? Rutgers, oh, still, yeah. Rutgers still has to show me that they have a quarterback. And even last year when Temple had a lot to work through, they almost beat Rutgers. But you're right. They couldn't turn the corner on those close games, and that's something you want to see in that second season. So I think that's another important storyline to pay attention to. It was always a gut-wrenching play right at the end. And, like, that's, you know, it's a young team. But now they've Mm -hmm. got another year under their belt. What do they do? We shall see. What a teaser. Boom. Stories. It's great radio. (laughs) You know, I'm Uh, in school for journalism. (laughs) The, the next Twitter mailbag question here comes from the Twitter handle off the hook three is the Twitter handle. This is a two parter. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Temple's never had a 1000 yard rusher and a 1000 yard receiver in the same season. First question, does that happen this year? Do they have a 1000 yard rusher and a 1000 yard receiver? No, because they don't have a thousand yard rusher. I don't think to that point, if they don't, I don't think that's a huge issue. Like, do I think Ed Sadie plays in the NFL when he's done? No, I don't. If he does, awesome. But I think Ed Sadie's better than what he showed. Again, there are a lot of different factors. When you're not, when the offensive line is banged up from week to week and you don't start the same two lineups in consecutive weeks, that's a problem. We've talked about it a million times. It's a combination of guys picking the wrong running lanes, the blocking not being good enough. I think Ed's better than he is. But let's say just literally like throw blind numbers out there. If Ed Sadie goes for like 720 yards this year and Jaquez Smith gets you like, 400 and and Kyle Williams gets you 325 and like 200 through the air on like 20 like and you see production out of each of them then that's not bad yeah but I don't know that there is like a thousand yard bell cow back but I also don't think that that's like this horrible thing or like a sign of you know bad things to come so I don't know do you feel any differently about that mirror or no 
I don't think they have a thousand yard receiver. Probably not. That's another. I mean, that's another fair point. I don't know that that's a bad thing either. Like if EJ, I mean, EJ is a guy who does not at least appear to be a guy who is not capable of scanning the whole field and he just locks in on one guy. It's like, oh, if my security blanket isn't there. I also don't think it's a horrible thing if I get, they'll throw a lot, but if you have five or six different guys that are consistently catching the ball and one guy had 600 yards, another guy had 700 yards, granted, you'd love to see in a really prolific year you have 1,000-yard 1, receivers. No, I'm saying it can't happen, but I don't know. I mean, do you see that as a detriment? I think you hit the nail on the head when you said they'll pass the ball a lot this year because especially if they can't run the ball right. because the short pass game is a supplement for not being able to run the ball right, screens, right. whether it's to your running backs or your mm-hmm. receivers or even tight ends. And they, they pulled that out in the, the spring game. Also, it's a lot of miles to feed. Yeah, exactly. Because they, they don't have that number one mm-hmm. guy, at least right now, whether it's Amai Anderson or if it's Zay Baines or mm-hmm. Dante Wright. And like I said, I think they're going to live in 12 and 13 personnel yep. this year. So whether it is DMR or Jordan Smith or even Peter Clark, like it, mm-hmm. it, it could be it could be any one of those guys who can catch the ball for them. So I don't think they have that guy that will have a thousand yards simply because I think they will spread the ball around this year. You know, Jordan Smith appears to be healthy. One of the things I put on the message board in terms of again what we saw late in practice, Forrest Brock, the JUCO quarterback who might be as of now, you know, Stan said it's EJ's job to lose. Again, he's their starter. Check out my article from last week. Yes. There we go. Yes, thank yeah. you. Three. <laughs> Such a goofball. <laughs> Quincy Patterson might be the two, but again, in the limited time we were at practice, Forrest Brock Look pretty solid. He did throw a ball to Jordan Smith that wasn't like right on target, but Jordan Smith tipped oh, it to just himself. Oh, just a beautiful catch. Nice yeah. one-handed catch. So let's say they're he, maybe you they're in a situation like they're in a close game like they were last year, but maybe they are the type of offense. Again, EJ throws a nice deep ball, but maybe like Jordan Smith. And again, Jordan can get down the field, but if they're also in an offense where it's like third and six and – EJ can find DMR over the middle for eight yards, and it's a kind of like a back-breaking play that extends a drive and extends a drive. If he can spread the ball around like we think he can, he watches a ton of film and really is prepared every week. I, I, do, I think we're all in agreement. It, they don't have – I don't see them having a 1,000-yard back and a 1,000-yard receiver, but I also don't think that that should preclude them from going like six and six or maybe even seven and five this year and going to a bowl game. We'll see. Second part of his question, who gets the first home game in the AAC – in 2024, Stanford or Temple. I, I know Mike Oresco and our, our good friend Chris Young has a question in the mailbag here later on about conference realignment. It's nuts. It's chaos. It, it is, is bizarre. I don't think anybody has a true handle on it, but I, I know that the American would love to wrap its arms around the Pac-12 teams that are left behind. I, The American could somehow get Stanford more power to them. Don't see it happening. I just don't. Could they get... Oregon State, Washington State, maybe. We'll see. Um, and here I am probably like half answering Chris's question. But uh, who gets the first home game that they see in 2024? I mean, it's it's okay. I'll we also house on Temple. Yes. I think yeah. Stanford would rather go independent almost. It'd be like a Notre Dame, you know? I don't know how they're doing financially. There are only a hand, a select handful of schools that actually are, are really super fiscally healthy with their athletic departments. A lot of athletic departments take a loss, so I know that's not a rarity, but I don't know how Stanford's doing. I'm sure they have to be doing better than Temple, but yeah, I don't see them saying, yeah, amid all this chaos, we're comfortable landing in the American. I just don't see it happening. If, it, if they do, great. That'd be pretty cool. If you're Mike Oresco, sure, you want to try to Scrape up the teams that are getting left behind. I oh, just no don't doubt. Think it's gonna be, don't think it's going to be Stanford. Yeah. Uh, our buddy Varun Kumar, a longtime Temple fan, although he's a Pitt graduate. If you know Varun, you know how passionate he is about Temple. Has yeah. written for Alscoop.com in the past. Good friend of ours. Off topic, seated or unseated roll if you're ordering a hoagie? Seated. It's delicious. I love a good seated I mean, roll. Seated or unseated? I love a good seated Don't give roll. me this answer like I'm cutting carbs. I don't, I don't need no, seeds, bro. I've never had a seated hoagie. Stop. Oh, we did it at Max's. On. That was a cheesesteak. Okay, well, I fine. mean, it's close enough. Yeah. So is a, is a seated roll, I'm like, a, like, is a seated roll better than an unseated roll? I think it's a lot softer, and I think that helps. See, I don't know. I haven't had enough seated 
cheesesteaks in my life. <laughs> a good seated roll is is. I love a good seated roll. I, I love the good people at Wawa, but I think they're I think they have skimped on their rolls over the past few years. Wawa rolls used to be. I kind of agree with that. Like a good Sarcones, like seated roll. That's how I am with bagels. Sandwiches so too. in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. they're just. Like I can't just eat better. just a plain bagel anymore. I need some seeds on it. I need an onion bagel. Like it's just everything. It makes it a thousand times better. Everything. Yeah, everything bagel, everything. poppy seed, whatever. Jeez. Why are you staring at me? Because like Rune didn't <laughs> ask about bagels. But it's you know similar. I know I'm similar just, products. I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> Seeded roll for me, Rune. Last mailbag question here again from our friend Chris Young. Great engaged student here at Temple. My guy. The youngest. Uh, the youngest. Yeah. We <laughs> Temple love him. student media. We love Chris. Um, he's had a heck of a summer, too. He's been doing media relations for the Writing Phils, right? Yeah. He's got a couple of different shout-outs from Temple University. Yes, absolutely. So no we, we love Chris. Shout-out, Chris. We knew him when. We knew him when. Uh, he just says, opinions on conference realignment, like I said before, it's crazy. Complete chaos. I don't know in the future what's going to happen if like football is going to break off entirely from the NCAA. And it just sparks so many opinions where people are like, oh, I remember when conferences actually meant something, where they were actually regionally aligned. And actually, Varun himself, I saw him going back and forth with somebody on Twitter. It's that A-10 account. The it's name like college of basketball, something, history, something No, like it was that. something about the A-10, about from a game from the 90s where Pepe Sanchez hit this like 30-footer oh, yeah, of hall. And um, some guy came at Varun and was like, Talking about uh, their, their mid-major league and and back and Varun, and we tease Varun for this because he talks as if he were around like in the seventies. But like he is, you got to meet Varun. Like he legitimately is like this college basketball historian, and he's much younger than me. But he said, you know, back then the the A ten wasn't really viewed as like a mid-major conference. Nobody ever confused the A ten with the ACC or the Big Ten or anything like that. But basketball, in some ways, has suffered because of this because like football's driving a lot of it geography means nothing anymore so i don't know like i said before my opinion on conference realignment it's total chaos i don't know where it's going to lead i feel like several years ago it used to be a situation where teams were trying to take a step up if they could read their resume the right way like hey look at the tv market we're in look at the look at the academic progress we've made Uh, look at the the wins we've had look at the fundraising we've done now it's just like big programs are struggling to find their identity so if you're a temple fan you're saying well where is that where does that leave temple Mm -hmm. Uh, whatever cliche you can think of expect the unexpected do i think it's predictable yes money tv money 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 drives so much of this impatience drives a lot of it do i think a lot of it's good for college sports no not all the time because fans don't want to think about this they think that college student athletes are just robots if it's a like yeah. for football, for basketball, like the travel isn't good. Well, it's not beyond that, too. Like, you know, I've covered non revenue teams and talked to them about their Texas trips yep. already. And, yep. like, you know, you're missing weeks of school at a time. And that's yeah. not to mention, like, that's if you're playing all these schools at one time. And, and the travel themselves, like going to Oklahoma, like, I couldn't imagine moving that to Oregon State and Washington mm-hmm. and, you know, Stanford potentially. Like, it's just it's unreal on these on these athletes that you know we don't necessarily talk about because uh-huh. they're not revenue sports you know so it affects more than just these football and these basketball programs because it's you're not just moving those teams you're moving the entire athletic department so yeah and it's not the teams didn't travel for non-conference games before but i'm not shocked by any of it florida state they're the next domino to fall depending on if they stay or if they go but like the the programs that are fairly profitable and really seem to have their act together when they're struggling to find their lanes and all this, and you're like, well, I guess anything goes at this point. Yeah. So, Chris, we'll, we, we hope to see you soon, buddy. I don't, I don't have any super insightful answers for you on this other than I think it's just total chaos. And yeah. you're a Temple fan. I, I have talked to enough people to know that this time in August of 2023 that Temple is – is positioned or aligned to make any sort of moves. I know people don't want to hear that. I'm just not hearing it. I'm not seeing it. I'm not believing it. It's not but realistic. Th- no, yeah. and it's a shame. You know, there are some people that believe that had Matt Rule stayed, the Temple would have been a really attractive candidate for the Big 12, but, like, you can't... You, you can't, can't guarantee that. No, you can't guarantee that. You can't live in the past, so... Yeah. I know. Anyway, Chris, we'll see you soon, buddy. Any final closing thoughts, gentlemen? Uh, words of wisdom, no. I'm not that smart, but, you know, thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. You know, if you're not subscribed to Alice Scoop, go do that. 
you know, please. And uh and and thank you. Ramir. Um man. And I put you on the spot for just absolutely no reason. Also, Napoleon Dynamite, great movie. Go ahead. Your turn. <laughs> New, breaking. News breaking alert. news. I do appreciate the fact that you will, as a guy who like is so far behind on some shows and people are like, you really should watch this series or watch this show. And I say, yeah, I'll get to it. And I never do. Yeah. I, de- I don't recall saying you should go watch Napoleon Dynamite, but you you and Ray Dunn will actually like go back and say, I'll go watch this movie. Yes. And then literally within a few days, you report back. I'm like, oh, damn, they actually made time to do this. <laughs> it's a great... And you it's know, not that you guys aren't busy. Yeah, well, I was very busy. I uh, I was doing that while doing some other work. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think it, it was just a, it was a good time. You know, I, I was able to laugh, which I, you know, the summer's been busy, so mm-hmm. it's nice to be able to have those moments. But... Honestly, probably maybe in my top ten movies of all time now. So, and you're concerned about the new glasses you got, and and you... looking like Napoleon Dynamite. That's correct. Yes, uh, we'll see. Sorry, I didn't not mean everybody to steal can have the cool glasses that Ramir has. So, no, not <laughs> even close. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you all for listening to another episode of the Scoop. We'll be back next week with more recruiting updates. Oh, we should actually say, as we close things out here, one of the things that I, I forgot to mention, Ramir wrote about Cam Wallace from a couple weeks ago, right? Yes. Uh, wrote about uh, Cam Wallace from Westtown Guard, uh, Westtown School 2025 Guard. Wrote about him a few weeks ago, and then uh, Temple did recently get him here last week for an unofficial visit. So you can check out Ramir's story on Cam. And then also while I was on vacation last week, uh, Ramir also wrote about Devin Booker. No as big. well, went yes. down to Cristo Ray. Um, again, if you're an Al Scoop subscriber, you can check out that story as well. Sounds like they're probably going to try to get him in for an unofficial pretty soon. Yeah. So we'll see what happens in 2024. I still think Temple is going to be fairly portal heavy. I think there are a few guys that they're zeroed in on in terms of high school players, whether they get them or not is another thing. But again, they're they're very, very engaged we'll have to see how it plays out with so many of these local guys devin booker uh kg cochran kai shin holster and uh cam wallace so again check out ramir's story on cam and also hey congratulations to joe klecko as well yes he has formally been inducted into the hall of fame how you guys give him a little round of applause uh, it was hard to hold the mic and give a round of That's applause right. very nice so you know joe klecko yeah. is worth it yes so uh <laughs> Formerly enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame last weekend out in Canton, Ohio. Again, if uh, if you subscribe to the scoop, you know that I talked to Joe back in March. So I believe that was uh, I want to say episode thirty-one ish of season eight. I don't know. Sure. Back in March, talked to Joe um, after he knew that he was going into the Hall of Fame. So I had a great conversation with Joe. So congratulations uh, to him and his family. Thank you all for listening. We'll have more for you next week. Mm-hmm.